Hello, this is Snigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Tuesday, the 27th of October. India's COVID-19 tally has almost touched the 7.95 million or 79,50,000 mark today. In a first such trend, after over three months, India recorded its lowest daily count of new infections at around 36,000. Close to 72 lakh people have recovered from the virus nationwide, while over 6 lakh are currently being treated. The new fatalities reported in the last 24 hours remained under 500 and the country-wide death toll now stands at 1.19 lakhs. India's coronavirus fatality rate has dropped to 1.50% now. This is the lowest figure recorded since the 22nd of March. The Union Health Ministry has said that the case fatality ratio, or CFR, was lower than 1% in at least 14 states and union territories, including Rajasthan, Jharkhand, Andhra Pradesh, Telangana, Bihar, Odisha, Assam and Kerala. The ministry also added that the country now has one of the lowest fatality rates in the world. The Maharashtra government yesterday slashed the price for RT-PCR COVID-19 tests to under 1,000 rupees. This is the fourth time in the last seven months that the Maharashtra government has slashed COVID-19 testing rates. In March, one had to pay around 4,500 rupees per test. Maharashtra also recorded its lowest daily case count since June 24th. The state has recorded over 3,500 cases in the last 24 hours. Aiming to keep the pandemic under check in the state, the Rajasthan government will bring a bill in the upcoming assembly session to make wearing face masks mandatory. Chief Minister Ashok Gehlot said in a release that COVID-19 could only be avoided by adopting measures such as masks, social distancing and washing hands repeatedly. A year after Ladakh was granted the status of a union territory, the BJP is back in power in the Ladakh Autonomous Hill Development Council, but with reduced numbers. The electoral exercise was boycotted by the People's Democratic Party or PDP and the National Conference to protest against the abrogation of Article 370. This election saw the BJP winning only 15 out of 26 seats, which is five short of its count in the last council. The Congress, which had only six members in the last council, won seats at nine places this time. Congress took lower and upper lay in lay town from the BJP. The remaining two seats were won by independents. As the final count was declared last evening, spirits were dampened in the BJP camp, which had aimed at a clean sweep of all 26 seats with the poll slogan, Abki Bar Chabbis Par. Nearly half a dozen union ministers had visited Ladakh to campaign among a fairly small electorate of less than a lakh. The Nubra Valley, however, was swept by the BJP, where it won all five constituencies. Independent candidates bagged seats in Chushul and Nyoma in eastern Ladakh, where India and China are in a standoff position. Sakti in the Leh district was one of the most high-profile losses for the BJP this time. The party's Gyalpi Wongyal, who was the chief executive councillor for the last Hill Council, lost to Congress's Rigzing Chiring. New developments have come to the fore in the Hatras case, where a 19-year-old Dalit girl was allegedly gang-raped by four upper-caste Thakur men. The Supreme Court today directed the Allahabad High Court to monitor the CBI probe into the case. The Apex Court also stated that the plea for transfer of trial out of Uttar Pradesh will be considered once the CBI inquiry is completed. The bench, which was headed by Chief Justice of India S.A. Bobde, said that the Allahabad High Court will look into all aspects of the case and witnesses will be provided security. 
The court also asked the High Court to delete the victim's name from one of its orders on a PIL pending there. On October 15th, a bench comprising of the Chief Justice of India had reserved its verdict on a PIL and several intervention pleas filed by activists and lawyers. The pleas had argued that a fair trial was not possible in Uttar Pradesh as the investigation had allegedly been botched up. On the matter of the investigation, the Supreme Court said that the CBI will file the status report in the case before the High Court. To know more about the Hathras incident, do check out all the extensive reports by Nidhi Suresh and Akanksha Kumar on newslaundry.com. Campaigning for 71 seats in the first phase of voting for Bihar elections ended on Monday. The voting for the first phase is scheduled to happen tomorrow. All parties, however, are now gearing up to campaign in the remaining constituencies for phase 2 of the elections, which will be taking place on 3rd of November. The BJP, JDU, RJD, Congress and others have several rallies scheduled for today and tomorrow. Prime Minister Narendra Modi will be addressing rallies in Darbhanga, Muzaffarpur and Patna tomorrow. Incumbent Chief Minister Nitish Kumar is also set to address seven rallies in Nalanda today, while his main opponent, RJD's Tejasvi Yadav, will be holding 14 public rallies. Congress's Rahul Gandhi will also be addressing two public election meetings tomorrow. Despite the pandemic restricting physical campaigning, meeting and gatherings are seeing crowds in large numbers. The Election Commission's distancing guidelines can also be seen being violated at the public rallies. RJD's Tejasvi Yadav, who has promised the youth of Bihar 10 lakh jobs, is going to hold a Nokri Samvad, meaning a dialogue on jobs this evening. All major candidates this time have tried to strike a chord with Bihar's youth by making employment and development important polling issues. Beside the RJD's 10 lakh jobs promise, the BJP also tried to raise the stakes with the promise of 19 lakh new jobs to young voters. Lok Jan Shakti Party's Chirag Paswan also tried to cash in on the issue by promising a youth commission and a web portal where job seekers and employers could connect directly. In 2016, the median age for Bihar's population was 20. Bihar's unemployment rate rose to 46.6% in April of this year, according to a survey by the Centre for Monitoring Indian Economy. Experts have repeatedly pointed out that the state of unemployment in Bihar is grimmer than the other major states in the country. About a year and a half ago, my son came home after playing and asked what I had cooked for lunch. Only rice, I told him. Hearing that, he went out again and returned in the evening. He asked if he should go to Jaipur to find a new job. I refused. The next day when we were at work, he left with his Aadhaar card and clothes. We looked for him everywhere, but he was nowhere to be found. He called a few days later and told us that he was working in a bangle factory in Jaipur. He said, don't you worry, I'll earn and send you money. Don't eat bland rice. He used to send money every month. We spoke to him during the lockdown, but a few days later, we were informed that he was dead. We had begged him to come back, but he didn't. Now, even his body hasn't returned. This is the story of 55-year-old Sujata Manji and her son, who belonged to the Mushar community in Bhimpur of Bihar's Gaya district. The state of others from the community is not very different from Sujata's. Traditionally stigmatized as rat-eaters, people from the Mushar community are one of the most marginalized caste groups, both socioeconomically and politically. In most villages, they reside on the southern edge. My colleague Basant, who is in Bihar currently covering the elections as a part of NL Sena project, is bringing out such stories depicting the condition of various communities and the state of education, employment and social justice in Bihar. 
NLSENA is a news laundry project where our readers, listeners and viewers can contribute for the stories that they want to hear. So head over to newslaundry.com to check out the Bihar election series and other important stories from across the country that news laundry reporters have been covering. If you like what you see on our website, please do consider supporting us through subscriptions. A monthly subscription costs as low as 300 rupees only. As most of you know, News Laundry is a 100% ad-free news platform. Because we believe when the advertiser pays, the advertiser is served. But when the public pays, the public is served. The Allahabad High Court has expressed concern over Uttar Pradesh's Prevention of Cow Slaughter Act being misused against innocent people. Justice Siddharth, while granting bail to an accused booked under the Act, said, and I quote, The Act is being misused against innocent persons. Whenever any meat is recovered, it is normally shown as cow meat before getting it examined or analysed by the forensic laboratory. Unquote. The court also questioned the credibility of evidence submitted by the police in such cases. It said, and I quote again, In most of the cases, meat is not sent for analysis. Accused persons continue to be in jail for an offence they might not have committed at all, which is tribal, having a maximum sentence of up to seven years. Whenever cows are shown to be recovered, no proper recovery memo is prepared and one does not know where the cows go after recovery. Unquote. It also added that the focus should be on taking measures to protect abandoned cattle in order for the law to be implemented in letter and spirit. According to the state government data, 1,716 cases had been registered till August this year under the UP Prevention of Cow Slaughter Act and over 4,000 people have been arrested. The Act prohibits the slaughter of cows and their progeny in the state with a punishment of up to 10 years of rigorous imprisonment and a fine of up to 5 lakh rupees. Not just this, of the 139 people arrested under the stringent National Security Act or NSA till August this year in the state, more than half were arrested on charges of cow slaughter. And now for some updates from the world of media. Four TV channels and a newspaper have launched a nationalist digital media association. The Indian Digital Media Association has been founded by the digital arms of TV news channels Republic TV, India News, Odisha TV, NewsX and the newspaper Sunday Guardian, the Hindu nationalist website Op India and the regional news websites Goa Chronicle, Desh Gujarat and Assam Life. It is supposed to be a pro-nation, Indian-owned, Indian-edited and Indian-controlled digital news association. It also calls itself the largest conglomeration of digital media platforms in India. Laying out the rationale for the association, a statement published on Republic TV's website rebukes foreign ownership of digital media in India. It says, and I quote, We believe that it is time for Indian editors and owners to come together and fight the onslaught of foreign ownership and editorship since the attempts by foreign entities and organizations to corrupt news by pushing Western global agendas unethically are at its zenith. Unquote. The association claims that 25 other members will join it soon and engage with the government for policy formulation. With nine known members, the association is actually not the largest body claiming to represent digital media in India. There is the Digital News Publishers Association which includes Times Group, India Today Group, Hindustan Times, NDTV among others. The following piece of news contains descriptions of violence. Please consider this a trigger warning. A CBI charge sheet has revealed that the Tamil Nadu father and son, Jairaj and Benix, who died in police custody, were subjected to several rounds of torture for over six hours from 7.45pm to 3am by policemen who wanted to teach them a lesson in how to behave with cops. 
Forensic evidence revealed that Jairaj and his son Benix were beaten so brutally that blood was splattered on the walls of the police station. The charge sheet also describes that their clothes were removed, they were made to bend over a table in their underwear and their hands and feet were held as they were beaten. It reads and I quote, While holding them in that position, they were subjected to severe beatings with lati on the buttocks, back and other parts of the body, while Jairaj begged that given his high blood pressure and diabetic condition, he would not be able to sustain such grievous injuries. Still, no one paid any heed and the accused police officials continued with several rounds of brutal torture with intervals in between 7.45pm on 19th of June 2020 to 3am on 20th of June 2020. Unquote. The father and son duo, who were arrested on June 19th for allegedly keeping their mobile shop in Thotukuri open 15 minutes beyond curfew, died of their injuries on June 22nd within hours of each other. The brutal custodial treatment and the deaths of the two had left the nation shocked and outraged. At the beginning of this month, News Laundry published a report by Hari Prasad Radhakrishnan that described how the family of Jairajan Benix still awaits justice. When Jay Persis, Jairaj's daughter, was offered a government job in July, she could not bring herself to work in the town she grew up in. The job was that of a junior assistant in the revenue department, offered as a part of the compensation for the tragedy that had struck the family. I did not want to be reminded of the incident while going to work every day, said Persis. Persis hopes for justice at the earliest. Imagine this. A father was beaten in front of the son and the son was tortured in front of the father, she said. How much could they have suffered physically and emotionally? Shouldn't they get the harshest of punishment? Her mother, Selva Rani, painfully recounted how Benix's wedding had been postponed after the lockdown was imposed in March. While this brutal case came to public light, it wasn't a one-off incident of police brutality in the state or even in the country. News Laundry has been covering stories of custodial deaths in the country in its series called Custodial Deaths in India. To read the entire story on Jairaj and Benix and other such stories under the series, head to the NL Sena section on our website newslaundry.com. And now for some international updates on coronavirus. Over 43.5 million people have been infected by COVID-19 so far and more than 1.16 million have died due to the disease. The World Health Organization chief warned yesterday that abandoning efforts to control the pandemic, as suggested by a top US official, was dangerous. He acknowledged that after months of battling the virus, a certain level of pandemic fatigue had set in. Dr. Tedros said, and I quote, It is tough and the fatigue is real, but we cannot give up, unquote. He urged leaders around the world to balance the disruptions to lives and livelihoods. Stock markets have opened sharply down in Asia-Pacific on Tuesday, taking their cue from the US and Europe, where shares fell on Monday amid concerns that the second wave of coronavirus is not being contained. In Sydney, the Australian Securities Exchange has fallen by 1.2% and the Dow Jones in New Zealand is down by 1.3%. Markets in Asia are set to follow suit. Meanwhile, residents of Italy are retaliating against the new COVID-19 restrictions that were imposed after a new surge that is being seen across Europe. Protesters turned out in the hundreds in Turin, Milan and other Italian cities and towns on Monday to vent their anger, sometimes even violently. Under the new restrictions, restaurants and cafes have to close early and cinemas, gyms and other leisure venues also have to remain shut. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow.
All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you.